We are learning Daf Ches and Aleph, and we're uh, towards the end of the sugi of Tumah Hotra B'tzibor or Tumah Duchuyi B'tzibor. The issue again with Tumah Duchuyi or Hotra B'tzibor is that we know that when we have a carbon which has to be brought at a set time and established time, if there's an issue with the carbon, either with the um, the parts of the carbon being tamay or the people involved in the carbon being tamay, that we have the right to bring the carbon, and the carbon will be fulfilled and achieved despite the despite the issue of the tumma. But the question is, how do we understand the nature of it? Is it that it's tumma hutribitzibor? It's a non-issue. It's totally permissible, um, and in that regard, we don't even try to avoid it in any way. Or do we say that tumma is dechuya bitzibor, which means that it overrides the issue of tumma? But the issue of tumma is definitely an issue. It's like there, the psul is there, just the Torah says to bring it anyway, and the kapara is achieved. In which case, uh, we would definitely want to um, avoid the issue if we could, as we go back all the way uh, when the Gemara introduces and the basic machlokas, I mean, which we ended up saying is also machlokas tanam, would be like if we're trying to look for other kohanim who are tahar to do the avodah, if the kohanim right in front of us are tameh, do we try, do we strive to bring different kohanim or not? That would be like the main essential point of the, of, of the dispute. Although we've seen other, other points and you know, variables that get mixed in with the machlokas of tumad or hutra. For example, if tumad dechuyah then we assume that it works together with the power of the ritu hatzitz. Remember, the tzitz is always something when the carbon is tameh, um, and it's brought, even a non, uh, a not kavua lemzman type of carbon, there's really that tzitz, and is the, the concept of tumma, the chuyah, hutra b'tibur work with the tzitz or not? So hutra b'tibur definitely does not need the tzitz, the chuyah b'tibur does need the tzitz, those are things um, that we looked at yesterday. So now we're going to be starting, um, it's actually about a third of the way down on chesem and alf, we got all the way to name hani kenai kehani tanai. Once we established that the machlokas is actually the machlokas in the tanamas, machlokas in Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda, uh, Rabbi Shimon held Tumah Duchuyah B'tzibor, it needed the tzitz uh, to help as well. And Rabbi Yehuda held Tumah Hutra B'tzibor, it did not need the tzitz at all to contribute. So now the Gemara says, Why don't we say that these following Tanoim are arguing about the same issue as the previous Tanoim that we've discussed? We're going to bring other, another Machlokas Tanoim, and we're going to assume that it's, this, it's dependent on the same Duchuyah Hutra issue. The Tanya says in Hebrides, whether it's this one or that one. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the Dinah Prisha. So we're talking about the Kohen Gadol who's separated for seven days before Yom Kippur, or the Kohen who's preparing for the Paraduma. In both scenarios, Mazen will have Kol Shiva. So not only are they separated, are they in quarantine for seven days, but they also have sprinkling that is done on them for all the seven days that they're separated. What is this sprinkling? From all the ashes, from all the Paradumas which were left around in the base of Mikdash. Again, the idea was that they had ashes from the Paraduma, which were they left from all the history, from all the... Paradumas, which were brought. I think there were seven paradumas. So they always had a little bit of the ashes that remained in the base of Mikdash from the history from all of them. And they would use those ashes to do the hazah on this Kohen Gadol preparing for Yom Kippur. And for the Kohen preparing for the paraduma, they would use these ashes, each of the, um, and they would do it for each of the seven days. In other words, each day, each of the seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the Bryce was saying they would be sprinkling the ashes on him. Now, what's the, uh, just a little bit of background, what does the Torah say? The Torah says that a person who became Tommy Mays is supposed to be sprinkled on day three and on day seven, and then, after, and then on day seven he can go to the mikvah, and then um, he'll be tar. So what's the pshat that we're, going to, uh, that we're going to be sprinkled on them each and every day? It's because we're, not, we're trying to get just like, make sure it's 100% secure. So on the first day, he may, we're already being maza on him because of the possibility that he'd become Tommy two days previously before uh, the, the Prisha had started. So the first day of his separation might be the third day of his Tumah, which would be the second thing on the second and the third day. Each first, second, or third days may possibly 
be his third day of Tumah, and therefore we're being Maza on them. And the same thing on the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh, each one of those days might be the seventh day of Tumah. The Gemara is going to address coming up on the fourth day. The fourth day doesn't really seem to make sense. We know it's for sure not day three, and we know it's for sure not day seven. We'll see, we'll see the Gemara, we'll talk about that. But that's the basic concept of why we would be doing Hazan, him, Kol Shiva, all the seven days. It's because of the possibility that he was Tummy Maze, and we want to purify him, and that each of the days may be day three or day seven, which requires sprinkling. That's where the mayor's opinion. We only do the sprinkling on the third and the seventh day. And Rabbi Yossi says, you don't have to do all the days, just day three and day seven. And the Gemara will address, why, why is that? Why doesn't Rabbi Yossi concern that, let's say he was, became Tameh uh, two days before the Prisha? So the first day of the Prisha would be the uh, day three of his Tumah. Maybe we should, do, we should be nervous for that. Why, why are we only saying day three and day seven? Then the Gemara brings another time. Rokhulina is kind of called him Omer Kohen, a service of our Muslim Kol Shiva. If it's the Kohen, he's burning the Paraduma, so he would have the Hazar all seven days of the quarantine. Before Yom Kippur, would only have the Hazar on the third and seventh day. So he's making a chilek. He's distinguishing between the Kohen, the Kohen with the Paraduma that he has each and every day, the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur, who only has on day three and day seven. Now we'll have to understand what's the pshat, why is Reb Hanina, uh making this difference? Why is Reb Hanina's kind of calling him saying that there's a difference between the Kohen who's bringing the power that we do the ashes each and every day or the, uh, or, or the, uh, the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur that we only do the third and the seventh day. So at any rate, what do we have in front of us? We have that during the pre-show before the Yom Kippur, before Yom Kippur and before the Kohen Gadol is doing uh, and before the Kohen of Paraduma, we have an issue of whether or not we do Azah each and every day. So we have, it looks in front of us, three opinions. We have Rabbi Meir, who's saying that we have to do Azah each and every day. We have, we have Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi is saying that we only do the Azah on the third and the seventh day of the quarantine. And then Rabbi Hanina is kind of calling him, who's saying that it depends. If the Kohen is a Sarvis Apara, then we do each of the days. And Kohen Galdam Yom Kippur, we only do Azah on the third and the seventh day. So... We're exactly halfway down on Chesim and Aleph. So the Gemara says, My lab, what would Rameir and Rabbi be arguing about? So the Gemara says, Rameir, Savar, Rameir must hold that Tumah is Dechuya. So in other words, the issue of the Tumah is really there. And if the Kohen Gadol became Tameh, yes, it's true, he would be allowed to do the Avodah, but, 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 but it would be Dechuya. It's just that we're overriding the Tumah. So we always try to avoid it. So since we're always trying to avoid it, we want to make, we, we want to prepare the Kohen Gadol to be Tar in the best possible way. So therefore, what we want to do is do all the sprinkling we can possibly do, which would be the actual third and seventh day when he became Tameh. And as we spoke out, we don't know which day he became Tameh. We're, 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 we're separating him, but we have to be concerned for all possibilities. So maybe the first day that he's in quarantine may actually be day three since he became Tameh. So Tumah Duchuyah B'tzibar says, do everything you can possibly do to try to ensure that this Kohen is, is the purest and treat him like the best, most strict standards of making him tar. So that's why it makes sense that we should be sprinkling him each and every day that he's in quarantine. Just, in other words, don't, don't, don't be any lenient, don't have any leniencies on how you're going to be Matar the Kohen Gadol just because you know that if, uh, if he's not doing it in the right way, he'll still be able to do it. Don't think like that. You're always trying to make him as pure as you can. If you're trying to make him as pure as you can, so then each of the days should have the Hazal because potentially each of the days might be day three and day seven. Again, it's easy to understand how one, two, and three might be day three because he may have been, been become Tameh two days before the pre-show, one day before the pre-show, or the first day of the pre-show. That we can understand. Uh, and then in terms of five, six, and seven, all days five, six, or seven all potentially might be day seven. That also makes sense. It's not that clear why we're Choshish uh, for day four. That's a little bit strange because we should seemingly know 
uh, day four, it's impossible for it to be uh, day three or day seven. The Gemara will eventually address that. But Al Kopana, Rabbi Meir is saying, and that's why we're doing the Hazah each of the days. Rabbi Yossi Savar, Rabbi Yossi is saying that Tumah is Hutra. So since Tumah is Hutra, we can be a lot more lenient. It's really the whole sprinkling shouldn't be required at all if Tumah is Hutra. To the extent, you know, it's funny how the Gemara is just saying, oh, like Rabbi Yossi, Tumah is we'll do it on the third and seventh day. The truth is, you should wonder why you have to do it at all. Why are you doing Hazah? You should just do Prisha. So Rashi helps us out. Rashi says that we really learned it from the Miluim. Remember that, that was part of the Limud. And by the Miluim, there was some blood. According to Rabbi Yochanan, there was Miluim that we learned from the Miluim to the Kohen Gadol. So it makes sense that, that, that there was a sense of Hazal. But I'll, it's not really that we care so much that the Kohen Gadol is becoming tar. We don't really care because Tumas Hotra Ritzibar. So that's where Rabbi Yossi would be saying that the Hazal on the third and seventh day totally suffice. But the Gemara comes back and rejects it because of that point. The Gemara says, but tis, so what's the Gemara trying to do, big picture? That the Machlokas that we established yesterday between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon of Tumas Hotra, we're finding now between Rameir and Rabbi Yossi as well. So the Gemara comes back and says, Vatizbara, you really think that's true? Meaning, do you have the right to pull out from that Rameir and Rabbi Yossi that they're arguing about Tumat Dechuy or Hutcher, and that's the issue, whether we do the Hazal all seven days? Esau, Rabbi Yossi, had to Ritzibar. If your Yossi really holds Tumat Ritzibar, why do we need Hazal? Why do we need the, to sprinkle it all on the third and seventh day? We, don't, we couldn't care less. We couldn't really, um, we couldn't care less about, about, about the possibility of stomach. And if you're going to tell me, like Rashi said, that, well, that we're just learning from the Miluim, you're supposed to do Hazal. Well, I mean, during the Miluim, it was every day. So with the blood. So if you're really drawing an exact parallel, then you should still do it every day. So obviously Rabbi Yossi seems to be concerned for the chashash of Tomoni saying third and seventh day. So what's really the issue at hand? The reality is anyone who's saying do hazah is concerned for the Tomah and they must hold Tomah Dechuya. And we're trying to override, it's only overridden and that's why we're seeking to avoid it. If you will, Tomah Hotrobitzibor, you wouldn't do Hazah at all to the Kohen Gadol for the week before. Everybody here, Rameir and Rav Yossi, who's saying that they're sprinkling done, must hold Dechuya. So what's the root of the issue? If you're doing it each and every day, or you're just doing it on the third and seventh day, this is what they're arguing about. Rameir Savar, Aminu Tfilah Bezman Mitzvah. This is a very lumdish question. We know, again, that the idea is you become Tame, you get sprinkled on day three and day seven, and then afterwards, on day seven, you, could be, you go to the mikvah and you become tar. Is it important that it happens that you go to the mikvah, the, the tefillah, the immersion, the tahara process is complete in the right time, or is the Torah just kind of telling you this is the minimum amount of time it can happen in, but if you want to do it, you can do it whenever you like. It's really a fundamental question when you think about Tumah and Tahara. Is it important for a person to try to like be Tahar as much as he could? It's really essentially what the issue is. So if the Torah said on the seventh day that he immerses himself, do we look at that like as a din? The, the, the goal here is that the seventh day since you... Uh, since, since the Tumah occurred, you should be coming to is that is that a directive? Is it a mitzvah that the Torah is giving you? It's not a mitzvah the Torah is giving you. The Torah is telling you this is the minimum time frame, how you could be matar yourself. Does that mean, let's say you want to delay it. Let's say you're a little lazy. You're doing anything wrong. You're nullifying a mitzvah. So that's the dispute here. Rameir holds tefillah bismana is a mitzvah. It's important to do, to go to the mikvah immediately that you could on the seventh day. And it actually like clues us in here. That the, the source for the mitzvah is that if you take a look at the Pasuk, um, you take a look at the Pasuk, it seems to mention the seventh day a bit too many times. The Pasuk says, So it seems like there's a, it mentions it twice in the Pasuk. So it's a directive, like a focus. And on the seventh day, he's supposed to become, um, he's supposed to become tar. And more than that, if that's true, 
we also look at, therefore, not only the, uh, the, the immersion at the end that is supposed to be done on the seventh day, but the sprinkling and the immersion are there together. So through the Hakish, we learn that just as you're supposed to do the tahara, the immersion, the tefillah on the earliest day, on the day that the sprinkling is finished, so you should be sprinkling on the earliest day as possible. It should be done on the third and the seventh day from the actual time of Tumah. So therefore, since we don't, we're, we're, we don't know, again, this Kohen Gadol who is being Mufrash, we don't know of an occurrence that he actually became Tameh. But we're concerned, maybe he was Tameh. So we have to be concerned that each, as soon as we get to day one, maybe day one is really uh, the third day since he, since the occurrence of the tumma, of the tumma happened, and the same thing with day two and day three, and five, six, and seven would all potentially be day seven. So that's why we're, we're looking at the din of the hazah as a chilak of the zman that you should be doing at bismana, just to bring out a practical point here. Lamaisa, he's not going to be tovo. Does he actually have to go to the mikvah each of those days? Like. On day five, six, and seven, that we're saying any of those days may potentially be the seventh day since he became Tameh. Dude, does he actually go to the mikvah then? Because maybe it's Philip is not a mitzvah? Or is the Machayev only to keep on doing the hazas? You would think he should have to go to the mikvah. Right? You would think, right? Maybe the Gemara doesn't speak it out that way. In other words, the, 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 the focus of Rameir is that we try to achieve the hazos. The haz- each day that could potentially be day three, and then each day that could potentially be day seven, you should be doing the hazah. The focus isn't when the actual immersion, the hazah is kind of like a derivative of the immersion. The immersion bismana is a mitzvah, but that's what I'm thinking. You would think that that's really the, the essence. The essence really is, is the fact that day seven, you should be going to the mikvah. That's, that's the key. So maybe that does happen that way. So anyhow, that's Rameir. So Tefillah is not a mitzvah, and that's why you're doing the Hazal each and every day. Whereas Rabbi Yossi says, Lo Amrina, and Tefillah is not a mitzvah. Rabbi Yossi says, there's no such idea that doing it bismana is supposed to be exactly at the right time. He doesn't hold this fechito by Yom Ashvi is bedavka, that there's a mitzvah. So if there's no mitzvah to do it bedavka, so why should we do it every day? Even if Tumah is, 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 is nitre, the whole point is just that by the time he's going to do the avodah, we have to make sure that he's absolutely tar, and that will be fine. On the day three of his prisha, we'll do it. On day seven of his prisha, we'll do it. He'll go to the mikvah on day seven. And he'll be totally good to go uh, the next day on Yom Kippur. So he d- he's not concerned that it be perfect that he's becoming Tahar on the seventh day of the Tumah, and that's why he's not doing it all the time. Very Gishmak. So it comes out in the Gemara, where, we, where are we right now? That had Tumah been Hutra B'Tzibar, there wouldn't be any Azal B'Chlal. We wouldn't be concerned for the possibility of calling God being Tameh. Must be Rameir and Rabbi Yossi, who are talking about the Azal, both hold Tuchuya Hibetzibar. And the issue is, are we just trying to time it correctly? Is there an Indian? Is there a mitzvah to do that? Or is there not a mitzvah to do that? Okay, so now the Gemara is a kasha. So what's coming out? Rabbi Yossi holds um, that Tefillah Bismana is not a mitzvah. So the Gemara says, if sorry, Rabbi Yossi, let me know Tefillah Bismana mitzvah. The Gemara challenges that. Rabbi Yossi doesn't hold Tefillah Bismana mitzvah. By the time we look at a price, and this is a price that we had in Masech HaShav. It's a fascinating case. A person had like some sort of a, a shame Hashem. One of the names of Hashem was, which was written onto his skin. So the issue is that there's a lav in the Torah to erase the shame of Hashem. Where does the lav in the Torah come from? Because when it talks about Avodah Zarah, it says, that you're supposed to completely destroy, obliterate Avodah Zarah. And then it says right afterwards in the Pasuk, you shouldn't be doing that for Hashem. The name of Hashem, you're not allowed to directly erase. It's like an iser, it's a lav in the Torah. So this person is a fascinating predicament. He has the name of Hashem, it's written on his skin, but if, he need, if he's going to go to the mikvah, there's a possibility he's going to erase it. So he's a low year chas He shouldn't be washing, he shouldn't be smearing, because that's going to be a maisa of erasing the shem Hashem. Also, he shouldn't be starting, standing in a dirty place. Meaning, like, if you go to the bathroom or something, that's disrespectful, or you're not even allowed to say Hashem's name. So you're not really allowed to be in such a place. So it's really tough. 
So what happens now? Is down below tefillah mitzvah. What happens if you have a tefillah mitzvah? What does that mean, tefillah mitzvah? In other words, he has to do to become tar from one of the things. He had a tumah, and now, now, now he has to go to the mikvah to become tar. So what should he do? Because we just said he's not really supposed to wash, but at the same time, if he's going to go to the mikvah, then there's this strong likelihood that that going in will, will wash it off. So what should he do? Korechalav gemi v'tova. So the first Tana, the Tanakama, is saying that he's going to cover the Shem Hashem with some sort of reed, and by doing that, it's going to prevent the erasing by the strong, by the strong waters of the mikvah. So it's interesting how the Gemara is assuming that that's a Misa. At this point, it sounds like just the way Rashi explains it. It's like a Misa of going into the water would be like a Misa of erasing the water. One can make the argument it's not. In fact, the Gemara in Shabbat actually makes that argument that probably it's really only more like a grama. And a grama might not be forbidden midaraisa, might not be usher midaraisa to cause the shame of Hashem to be erased. It might be only usher to directly, like, you know, like rub it out. But it seems like, just from the way it's presented over here, that the issue here is that going into the water would be, would be, um, would be like tantamount to erasing it. So we have to avoid that. So we're going to put the reed to protect it so that it, it, it's going to, um, it's going to try to make sure that it's not a race. Now you're going to be wondering, obvious question is what about chatzitz? But we do make sure it's not, it's not so tight. And that's like the, 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 the brilliance of the suggestion. The water lamaisa will get under, but it's not going to be doing it with strength. It's like the water has some, and there's a concept of current and strength. So you could, Mars is assuming, I mean, it probably depends how it's written on the skin, even obviously, but sometimes just any contact with water would erase things. Other times it's not true. It depends how strong, how, what type of ink. I mean, there could be a thousand variables. But to keep it simple, it seems like that's the Matthias, that as long as the current won't be directly hitting it, then it won't necessarily be erased and it's okay to go to the mikvah. So that's the solution that your Korach love gemi. That's what the Tanakhama is saying. It says, Rabbi Yossi, Yorid Vitovo Kedarko. No, don't worry about the, the reed. No issue whatsoever. Just go to the mikvah. You have to be careful not to rub out the name itself. In other words, don't rub it. Don't mamish rub it out. But just go in, take your chances. Don't bother with the reed grass. Now, what's pshat? Why is Rabbi Yossi not, not, not saying go with the reed grass? Why is that not a good solution? So when we learn Mesech HaShavah, it says the Gemara, we establish. What does it mean we establish? It means when Mesech HaShavah, we analyze this. We're like, why is Rabbi Yossi not chayshish? What's going on? So the Gemara explains that the root of the issue is, is that you don't have a reed grass in front of you. And if you would go look for a reed grass, you would have to postpone the tefillah. So everybody agrees that if you had a reed grass, why not? Put it in, it's kishmak, you might not be choshish for the thing at all. The shot over here is, is that you don't have a reed grass. And if you would go get it, it would delay it. So the machlekes is, what's the better thing to do? They're arguing about whether it's important, whether it's a mitzvah to go to the mikvah in the right time. The Tanakama is not concerned for that being a mitzvah. So therefore, lishi tasai, go get a reed grass. Even if it's going to delay the tefillah, that's the better thing to do. Rabbi Yossi says, no, tefillah is a mitzvah. And therefore, if you're faced with the predicament of either going and getting the reed grass, which would delay the tefillah or not, then it's better not to delay it and just do it. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. The Gemara in Chavez speaks out that even if tefillah is not a mitzvah, but you can't do an avera. Is that what's going on? It's not, it's not because I have to go to the mikvah, I'm allowed to erase it. And you see, Rabbi Yossi says you can't erase it, you can't smear it. So the pshat is that it's not stam, you know, oh, because I have to go to the mikvah. It's really based off the fact that it's also only a grama. So you're not dealing with a doraisa. But even b'cholzeh, it's obviously supposed to be avoided. And that's why Rabbi Yossi agrees that if a reed grass is in front of you, you should put the reed grass on. The root of the dispute still is whether or not tefillah is man amidst. Well, that's an important point here to understand the Gemara. So basically what we're having coming out now is a steer of a different Rabbi Yossi. By the coin, God, they'll be in quarantine. 
before Yom Kippur, what are we saying? Rabbi Yossi says, you only do the Hazah on the third and the seventh day. And we're explaining the reason you don't do it every day is because Tefillah Bismarck is not a mitzvah. So it's not important to try to time the third and the seventh day. Whereas, and right, that's what we're saying, the Pshad and Rabbi Yossi is. Tefillah Bismarck is not a mitzvah. We have a stira. We have a contradiction because in this machlok is about wrapping the reed grass. Rabbi Yossi is saying, don't worry, um, about the reed grass, because it's more important that you go to the mikvah on the right time. There in Shabbos, we analyze that dispute, and we're saying Rabbi Yosef Yosef is not a mitzvah. So we have a stira about what's going on. So the Gemara responds: El dukuli amalahani tanoi aminot tefila bezmana. You have to say all the tanoim, Rameir and Rabbi Yosef agree that tefila bezmana is a mitzvah. Meaning that's a complicated way of saying you're right. Essentially, Rabbi Yosef's tefila bezmana is a mitzvah, as we saw in the case of the reed grass. Why is Rabbi Yosef not trying to time the sprinkling? Just as the immersion has to be bismana, the seventh day, that's the real makar. The actual, the actual tahara should be by Yom Ashvi. So too, there's a mitzvah to do the sprinkling at the right time. The sprinkling should be done at the right time. So therefore, already from day one, you should have a sprinkle because that might be the third day from the Tumah. You want to ensure that all possibilities are working. Rabbi says, on the seventh day, when we say the seventh day from Again, as soon as he could become tar, that's already the mitzvah to immerse himself. Or a regular person, as soon as you can immerse yourself, you should, once you could. But that's all in terms of the immersion. But in terms of the sprinkling, there's no din that the third day from the Tumah you should try to time it, and then four days later you should try to time that for the seventh day. Not necessarily true. You can remain in your tummy state where you're not even able to go to the mikvah as long as you would like. There's no din to try to get out of the Tumah as, as soon as you can. So it's a fascinating thing. When it reaches this, that this day is day seven, and now you're sprinkled for the second time, you got your second dose, and now you could go to the mikvah, everybody agrees you got to go to the mikvah today. Or if let's say you became Tommy Sharitz, for example, and you could go to the mikvah today, everybody agrees there's a mitzvah to go to today. But the Rabbi Yossi's timing, this is such a lumdish point, the mitzvah is the actual immersion. That's the mitzvah. The mitzvah is when I'm finishing it. But everything which sets that up, which enables that, so to put myself and get that first dose so that four days later I can get my second dose and get tar quicker, that's just causing the tahara quicker. There's no such thing to do such a thing. So only the immersion itself is zman. That's just such a thing. So in the case with the reed grass, where it's the earliest man to immerse yourself, this is the zman. Let's say the guy was like a tummy share, so he'd go to the mikvah, or it was day seven of his sprinkling, he had gotten his second dose, and then but what's going to be with the, the Shema Hashem? There, Rabbi Yossi agrees. You got to do it bismana. There's a tefillah bismana mitzvah. But over here, to when you became tummy with the, with, with the dead body, and now I want to know, what do I need to do? Do I, am I supposed to time it that Exactly three days later, I should get my first dose. Says Rabbi Yossi, no, you want to remain in that state where you're ineligible to become tar? Go for it. You want to remain months like that? Remain months like that. There's no din to time it to try to try to get the tahara a little quicker. The Torah is saying, according to Rabbi Yossi, the earliest possible time. The, 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 so what the Torah is saying is the, the earliest possible. The earliest way, when someone who became Tommy Lemay's, if he would like to become Tahar, what is the quickest possible possibility for him to become Tahar? The minimum would be, the minimum would be, he could get, he could get his dose on three days after his Tumah. But it's not a mitzvah that he must get it then. If you'd like to delay, he may delay. Rameir says, no, there's a mitzvah dafka, the chidah of that we remakish the, the, the sprinkling to the immersion. So if you don't get the dose on day three, Mm-hmm. Just do one dose on day seven. No, no. Everybody agrees there have to be two doses, and everybody agrees that the two doses have to be four days apart. Uh-huh. But the question is, when do I get the four, the, the first dose? That's the question. 
That seems to be what's going on. So according to Rabbi Yossi, that the, the sprinklings don't have to be bismana. So we have the Kohen Gala. We have no clue when he became Tameh. There's no reason to Dafka do it on day one or day two. Just do sprinkling on day three and day seven and done. That's Rabbi Yossi. Whereas Rabbi Meir is saying, no, 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 no. The, the, the sprinkling as well is supposed to be bismana. There's a mitzvah to try to do it as quick. So therefore, on each of the days of the, of the, of the, of the preacher, we're going to try uh, to do it. Okay, so that was Machlokas Rameir and Rabbi Yosef. So now we look at Rabbi Chanina's Kanakonim. Because Rameir and Rabbi Yosef were talking both about the preacher of the Kohen Gadol and the preacher of the Paraduma. Chanina Gadol's Kanakonim, he makes a split. He says, for the Kohen Gadol, we only do third and seventh day. For the Paraduma, we do every day. So the Kohen If he holds the hekish between the sprinkling and the tefillah, so even Kohen Gadol Yom Kippur should be doing it each of the days, like Rameir. And if he doesn't compare them, so, so, so you don't have to do that, the sprinkling on the on the correct days necessarily. So even by Paraduma, why do we care to do it every day? So the Gemara answers, does not make the Hakesh. That's why it's not essential that it happened Bismana and by Kohen Gadol Yom Kippur, it's just the third and the seventh day. I was with Paraduma, the Kohen Asar, just an added stringency and we shouldn't be surprised by this because there were many extra stringencies that happened for Paraduma. Remember why we do that, just to show that the Tzedukim are wrong. The Tzedukim, you know, it always like a backwards thing. So Dukam held you can't have a Tvulyom. We hold you could have a Tvulyom. So since we dafka use a Tvulyom to show that Tzedukim are wrong, we have all these added measures of Tumah uh, in Tumah and Tahara to show don't take it too lightly since we're using a Tvulyom. So this is one of those things, okay, we're going to do as well every day. It's not logical, it's not required, but it's a Mailabao. So the Gemara now says, whose opinion does the following Brahsa go like? It says in the Brahsa, that there's no difference between the coin who burns the par aduma and the coin on Yom Kippur. Ella This one, the coin called Yom Kippur, the prishas for what? Is to make him more kadosh. It's not totally, totally, it's not totally about Tama. It's about his Kedusha. It's about the fact that he's secluded will bring him added holiness. So therefore, we allow the Kohen to come in contact. We're not scared from visitors touching him. As the Kohen by the Paraduma, his priest shows to make him more tar. So therefore, we're so concerned, we're so scared about the Tamantara. So we don't let any Kohenim touch him. The whole idea is we want to make sure uh, an added measures of Tahar, so we don't let them touch him. So the Gemara says, the Bryce is saying that's the only difference. So come on, whose opinion is the Bryce going like? Oh, Rameir or Rabbiosi? It's either Meir or Rabbiosi. Because if it goes to Rabbiosi, there's an added, there's another discrepancy as well. There's also this difference, which is whether the Kohen Gadol should be sprinkled every day or only the third, third and seventh day. So the Bryce, which didn't mention that difference, is going either like Rameir or Rabbiosi, but not like Rabbiosi. Okay. Now we go, we go to the point of why it's each of the days. And this is just um, a question on Rameir's opinion. It's really just anal- an analysis we could have done on the Amad Aleph. We understand why we sprinkle the coin on the first day, because maybe the first day that he separated is the third day since he became Tameh. On the second day as well, maybe it's the third day since he became Tameh. And on the third day, maybe it's the third day since he became Tameh. In other words, maybe he became Tameh on the very first day that he was in Prisha, before he was taken in to the base of Mekdash. Sometime on that day he was brought in. So let's say it was, I don't know, 10 a.m. So we know what happened from 10 a.m. and on. But maybe he became Tame, I don't know, at 9 o'clock before we picked him up. So therefore, on the third day as well, it might be the third day. Chamishi, and we also understand why I want to sprinkle him on the fifth day because Shemeshvi. Maybe it's the seventh day. How would it be the seventh day? Because if the first day was the third day, then the fifth day would be 
the seventh day, Shishi Shemashvi, the sixth day also might be the seventh day since the Tumma, Shvi Shavashvi, and the seventh day might be the seventh day since the Tumma. All of that makes sense. One, two, and three might be the third day, and five, six, and seven might be the seventh day. That's clear. But in regard to the fourth day, there's no reason to sprinkle him. There's no possibility that it's the third day, because we know what happened to him since he was picked up. So the only way that the fourth day would be day one would be. And then the next day, he became Tommy in front of us in the base of Mikdash. But we, we know, in other words, it seems like we're able to trust. We know what happened since we picked him up. So there's no possibility that it's the third day. There's no way it's the seventh day. Why? Because even if he did become Tommy Mace, let's say six days before, but again, seventh day has to be four days after the first dose. That's very important. It's not just the third day, could, three days after the thing, and then there has to be a separation. So let's say guy became Tommy, let's say uh, six days before. But if there was no sprinkling of, of, uh, on day three, then you can't do the sprinkling of day seven. So day four, there's no possibility that it's either the sprinkling of day three or that it's a sprinkling of day seven. So Mimanov Shacha doesn't make sense to do the sprinkling on day four. Again, the premise of the question is, we know what happened to him after he came into the base of Mekdash. So the Gemara says, let's ask another question. You're asking questions? I have another question. Would it actually be possible to do sprinkling all the seven days? We establish. Where do we establish? We actually learned about this in Psachim in the sixth parrot. That sprinkling to be matar, a person with the ashes of the paraduma is a shvos. It's also to do that on Shabbos. Like it's an idea. It's like tikkun. Like you're fixing the person. You shouldn't do that on Shabbos. So what does it mean? One of the seven days inevitably is going to be a Shabbos when we don't do the Hazah. We spoke about that in Shabbos. You know, what happens if the guy, it's Arab Pesach, Shachalis, but Shabbos, are you doing Hazah? Whole complicated case. But definitely you're not going to be doing that on Shabbos. How are you going to answer this? What says that he sprinkled all seven days? It doesn't really literally mean all seven. Shiva Labami Shabbos. It just means all the days. But yeah, it means with the exception of Shabbos. It's, it, it's, so it's a good question. Uh, it, depends, it depends on a lot of variables. Um, it's a good Shiloh. And the Gemara in, in uh, Beta actually asked your question pretty much outright. Uh, try to understand why going to the mikvah is not also Mishim Tika. So for example, toveling something in a mikvah is Tika. So the Gemara tries to figure out what's the deal. Why is that immersing one's body is not? So it basically at the end of the day comes out with how likely, how clear it is that you're being matire yourself. There's something about dipping which might give more of the impression it's just like cooling yourself off. It's not really apparent that it's a maizatikun, a complicated sugi and beitza, but the Gemara asks her question. So I'm just trying to give you an example that, like, like of the complexity. You can't tovel in the mikvah, you can't put a clean in the mikvah, but you could. What's the difference? It's more Gemara talks about this. Okay. So shiva lavar mishavas. Achanam, you got to our question. Shiva lavar mivi. We could say that the seventh day is minus the four. Seven days don't include the fourth day. So it's a great answer. We have, it says they do it every day. The Gemara is saying it's lavdafka. They don't do it on the fourth day. It's also lavdafka. They don't do it on Shabbos. So now the Gemara thinks a very creative thing. We know we don't do it on the fourth day, and we know we don't do it on Shabbos. Could we actually orchestrate that the fourth day will always be Shabbos? That's smart. Why not? The Mila is to do it every day. We can't do it on Shabbos, we can't, and there's no need to do it on the fourth day. So it would be great, it would be very convenient for us if the fourth day was Shabbos. So the Gemara now says, We can't orchestrate what day Yom Kippur is. It just is what day of the week that the Rosh Chodesh was. So that's not something that we can, we can establish. That depends on what day of the month was, uh, 
when, when, what day of the week was the Rosh Chodesh was. So he has to be the third of Tishrei, seven days before Yom Kippur, regardless. Whatever the third of Tishrei happens, we're going to put him in the quarantine, whatever day of the week. So if the fourth day falls on, on Shabbos, great. But if it's any day that's not Shabbos, then actually we're, gonna, we're not going to have two days of sprinkling. It's never going to be the fourth day because there's no need. And whatever, whatever day Shabbos is, even though there's a possibility that it's day three or day seven, we're not going to be able to do it. So it would end up in, in, that in most years, there's actually going to be two days out of the seven that we're not going to tovel, that we're not going to sprinkle in. Day four, because there's no reason to, and Shabbos, because we can't. Alva Kohen, as always, Apara, but regarding the Kohen who's, who's acting in Paraduma, to be done to Ali Milsa. There, it's, 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 it's dependent on us. What do we mean it's dependent on us? Meaning, there's no set date that you have to prepare the Paraduma, so we can orchestrate what day of the week day four will fall out on. So therefore, we put him, the quarantine always begins on a Wednesday. So if the quarantine begins on a Wednesday, day four will be Shabbos. So we're not going to waste two days. We'll make sure that the day that we're not going to be able to sprinkle Shabbos will conveniently be day four, which we don't have any need to sprinkle. Very, very convenient that we work it out that way. I was wondering that. It's an excellent question. In a case where, let's say, like, like Dan just picked, day three was Shabbos, right? So he didn't do it then. Remember, it's supposed to be day four. So does that impact now? We keep on saying, oh, you'll miss two days. Does that impact more? Yeah, it's, an, it's a very interesting question. Okay. Like, let's just, if you don't mind, I'm going to give a different example, okay? Let's say day one was Shabbos, okay? So if day one was Shabbos, so there's no reason on day five to do it. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, very good. Shmuel, okay, your point's good. But what, what about that, that case, though? That's even what I mean, because then you're, you're not doing on Shmi, which is problematic. But you, in that case, you think you would be able to do it on Shabbos? I mean, it could be, or you just orchestrated that Shlishi is never on Shabbos. Right. Well, if, let's say it's Yom Kippur and you're stuck, what would happen? Right. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe there you'd have to rely on Tomatahu Yibitzibar. You don't really have a choice. Can't do it. Overpower. And again, we don't know that he's Tommy. That's what's on one, I'm sorry. Just, it's all, yeah. You're saying Dekuya would overpower the requirement of having yeah, to all of this is, to part. Yeah, no, no, not that it would require, has to be four days to part. It would overpower the need for him to be, to have it on the third and seventh day. What's the worst? Uh-huh. The worst is Fisher's stomach. Mine's could be done. All of this is to try to avoid it. Okay, so the Mishnah said, Lishkas Farhedrin. We separate him to Lishkas Farhedrin. So we want to understand what Lishkas Farhedrin is. What is it? So the Gemara says, Tanya says in Bryce, Rabbi Yudah Omer, Lishkas Farhedrin, Haya. Is it called Farhedrin? Farhedrin literally mean like people who are like appointed. Like people in charge. Is that, is that what the Lishka is called? The Lishka is Balvati. It was called Balvati. And Balvati means like the, like, like, you know, like a prince. Like, cause, and who are the princes? The princes are the Kohanim Gedolim. The chamber of the princes, the Kohanim Gedolim. That's the way it's referred to. So why are we calling it Farhedrin? You used to be called Shibavati because the Kohen Gadol used to be princes. Kohen Gadol used to be honorable people. But then what happened? Second base of Mikdosh, we switched it all. Kohen Gadol was then became whoever bribed the officials the most. He was able to become Kohen Gadol. So they ended up being wicked people. They didn't survive the year. We'll learn about how many numbers the Kohen Gadol were, but they used to die. So they had a new Kohen Gadol every year. So what they would do is they would have like, they would redo the, the chamber each and every year because they would want to like, when a new person moves in to the apartment, like a new prince, he redoes it. He's not, you know, working off someone else's plans. So each year that a new Kohen Gadol was using the Lishka, they used to have a new, they would like remodel the whole chamber. So it was like these kings, the Farhedrin, who were replaced every 12 months. It seems that there was some sort in the government in the times of here that the rabbis were working with, whether it's the Greek government or 
Roman government, I don't know. But either way, these Farhedrin characters were, were, had a new, um, they, they were appointed new every 12 months. So we're comparing the Lishka of the Kohen Gadol to the, lish, to, the, to, to the homes of the Farhedrin, which were redone. The Fikach HaYikonos HaLishka's Farhedrin. So they called it the Farhedrin Chamber. Fascinating idea. So they were always redoing the chamber. It was always a new thing, and they would call it that way. So Farhedrin basically are these new uh, king officials, and that's what the, the Kohen Gadol is compared to. They're no long, it's no longer such an honorable position that we're proud of. So now we're going to show another Mishnah that's called to with the name of Farhedrin. So the Gemara just finishes off here. Tanan Azam, we learned in a Mishnah there. Hanachtomen by bakers. The Chachamim only were Machai of them. We're talking about the Mai. So if a person, Avad, the person has a din of Tevel, they have to be Mavish, Truma, Maisarishan, Maisarishani, Maisarani, right? All the stuff. But what about bakers? So, oh, so what about Demai? Demai is when you buy it from a very much an unlearned person. So we assume that Amaiarets are Mafra's Truma. But all the other things, we found that they were very weak. They were very lenient. They weren't taking off. So therefore, you know, they thought that it stopped being Tevels as soon as you took off Truma. So they were weak. So we say when you buy it from the Amaiarets, you don't know what's going on. So you're supposed to, you know, tithe just to be certain that, it's, that everything is correct. However, regarding bakers, bakers, the rabbis were very lenient with them, that the Demai, they only have to take off as Truma's Maiser and Chala. But they don't have to take off the other stuff. What's the pshat? Uh, well, we're going to see a big leniency that the Farhedrin, the, 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 it's like Mamish, you know, talk about like politics here. They used to control the prices. They used to, there was a horrible thing in the Roman times, it seems like it's Roman times, that they used to be oppressive on the bakers and they went after the bakers specifically. They had their own agenda that they would get like a cut on all the sales. So they tried to lower the price and they had a whole thing. And basically it was hard to make a living if you were a baker. So the rabbis therefore recognized the difficulties that the bakers were facing and they were lenient on the bakers that they don't have to take off from the demai all of the regular stuff, only trimus meiser and chala. So now the Gemara analyzed what's going on. You never have to take off trimus gadola because there you can always be assured you could assume the Amiyar took off. The Tanya says in the price, the top of Lamarav, above the whole Gvuli Israel. He sent throughout all of the Gvulim. They were talking about Rabbi Yochanan Kohen Gadol when he was um, talking about the Mai. He sent throughout all of Gvuli Israel. He saw that the Amiyar were only talking Trumagdola. So we don't have to take off Trumagdola. That we understand. That we assume it was already taken off. We understand that they don't actually have to give because meaning. You have to separate it, but after you separate it, they don't have to give it. Because unlike Truma or Truma's Meiser, which are forbidden to Azar, they have a din of Kedusha, Meiser, Rishon, or Meiser, Ani, you could eat. Let's say you're, you have a lady, he invites you over. You could eat Meiser, Rishon, it's not forbidden. So it's just a question of the monetary issue. Do you have to pay? So you say, So these people, the bakers, would tithe it. But after they tithe it, in terms of now the question that they actually have to give it to the, to, to the, to the poor or to the lady, that's a new question. They don't have to do so. So that we can also understand. What's the big deal? What's so, what, what, it's hard to understand. Let them separate it. Go in Yushalayim, like everybody else who, who takes it off. What's the big deal? My Sershini should have to be removed. If you're really Choshesh that it was never taken off, it would be an issue of Tevel. So why are we not obligating them to take off My Sershini and eat it in Yushalayim? So Amar Ulu, Amitoshav, Farhadrin, Allah, Luchotam, Soshim, Soshim, these bad guys, these Farhadrin, they were always literally beating the bakers every 12 months. They would always encourage them to sell cheaper. And every 12 months, there's new Farhadrin, and they're, 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 they can regulate the prices and collect like some sort of tax based on how many sales. So they have their own political agenda to make sure that the price is always cheaper to increase the number of sales and collect higher taxes. So therefore, they were always making it hard on them to make a, to make a living. So therefore, the rabbis, since it's only in Amaretz, it's a suffix to begin with, the rabbanon were very 
Mekel, and they said that Misafik, you do not have to take off Meiser Shani, a fascinating Kula. And the Gemara tells us what the name for Hedrin is, My for Hedrin, Porsi. Porsi is like, you know, the people in charge of the markets. So the bottom line is, that's how we see another context of the word Parhedrin. Parhedrin, we see in the Lishka, Parhedrin, the Kohen Gadol is in the Lishka, because each and every year it was remodeled since every Kohen Gadol was dying and it was a new one. He remodeled it just like the Parhedrin who were appointed every 12 months. And we see those same, those bad people, the Parhedrin here, with the bakers, that the rabbis were makeable with the bakers, that they don't have to take off Meiser Shani from their demai, they can be lenient and assume that it was already taken off um, because that they shouldn't go with the terichah, but the rabbis were lenient because the farhedrin were always on their case to make sure that they were lowering their prices uh, more when they were selling their bread.